Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pack West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Who's getting to Las Vegas? Who's going there? December 1st, Pac-12 championship game. Will it be a rematch of Oregon and Washington? Will USC slide in there, beat the Huskies this weekend, challenge the Ducks? Will it be someone else? How about Oregon State? Oregon State wins out. It could conceivably be tied with Oregon and have a head-to-head victory at the end of the season. Still a lot of ball left to play. Seven teams in the Pac-12 with two or fewer losses in conference play. And what's going on at Colorado where Sean Lewis has been demoted? He's not the play caller this weekend. I can't figure out if that's good or bad for Oregon State. I'll tell you what Jonathan Smith, Oregon State coach, is doing. No matter what, he's looking at this as a potential hiccup that he didn't need. I can remember that right before last year's Civil War game. Remember there was some confusion about whether Bo Nix would play, not play, And all of a sudden, the point spread right before the Oregon State-Oregon kickoff suddenly changed by like three, four, five points. Jonathan Smith came over to me at the game on the sideline before kickoff. And he said, hey, uh, what happened? Why did the spread change? He didn't like it. He didn't like not knowing what was going on. And I think coaches are control freaks. And Coach Prime demoting... Sean Lewis from play caller and giving the keys on offense to Pat Shermer. This could be good for Oregon State in that there may be some chaos and, you know, there's some discord on the coaching staff. I don't know. Or it could be really bad. Like, all of a sudden, Oregon State doesn't quite know who to prepare for or how to prepare on Saturday night. John Wilner, San Jose Mercury News. He's the best. You can find his work at Pac12Hotline.com. Joining us now, how would you read that, the demotion of Sean Lewis uh, as Colorado's play caller? You know, Sean Lewis is very well respected as an offensive mind in college football. And I, you know, I'm not sure. I, I look at Colorado and I think the biggest problem is they got no talent on their offensive line. And it doesn't matter if Sean Lewis is calling the plays, uh, you know, or if it's uh, Don Coriel, you know, it, it's uh, <laughs> the problem starts up front. Right. Uh, so. I don't know that it's really going to matter. Oregon State gets gets pressure on the passer, stops a running game. Uh, Oregon State should win the game. But to me, I don't know that it matters all that much who's calling the plays if they can't change their line. I mean, Dion went public with how bad his offensive line was last week after the game. Do you think that caused, you know, I immediately, like, I have no inside intel, Wilner, but I saw that and I went, Oh wow! I wonder if I wonder if uh, Dion and Sean Lewis got into it over him criticizing the offensive line, because I I kind of wonder how do you expect those guys guys to go out and play for you while you're ripping on them? Yeah, well, I don't think Dion has a whole lot of patience. You know, uh, 
and it's I sometimes I think it's hard for elite athletes, super successful athletes, to have patience for for players who aren't that talented. But uh, you know, Dion, pretty quick hook. I mean, they you know they were scoring pretty good uh, on offense until a couple of weeks ago, right? UCLA shut them down, but they scored like twenty seven against ASU. They put up what forty three against Stanford. Most of them in the first half. It's not like this offense has been crawling along all season. So, to me, it feels like a pretty quick hook from a desperate coach, uh, and I'm not sure it's the answer. John Wilner with us. You cover the Pac-12. Give me an idea. Oregon fans a little conflicted this weekend as USC and Washington are playing. What would be the best outcome for the Oregon Ducks in that game? Oregon wants Washington to win every game. To me, it's easy. Oregon wants Washington to go into the Pac-12 championship game undefeated because if Oregon then beats the Huskies, the Ducks are in the playoff. It's that simple. Do you worry that if USC loses? I guess you don't because if Oregon Oregon controls its destiny, when the, the playoff rankings came out, I went, wow, look at what the committee did. They put Oregon at six. They put Washington at five. Either one of those teams wins out. They're going to the playoff. Do you see it the same way? I do, uh, because either Michigan or Ohio State's going to lose. I mean, even if, let's just say Michigan's allowed to keep playing the season as normal and doesn't get punished. You know, the Michigan-Ohio State loser is not going to be in the Big Twelve champion, Big Ten championship game. So on championships weekend, Oregon is going to be, beat, would be beating undefeated Washington, top five Washington, and the loser of the Michigan-Ohio State game is going to be sitting at home. That's a huge advantage for the winner of the Pac-12 championship. Right? To me, that's why they would get in. Even if Florida State wins out, uh, I think then you're looking at Florida State, Pac-12 winner, Big Ten, Big Ten winner, and and, and uh, Georgia, of course. To me, that's that that's, it's setting up to be fairly clean. Uh, but, you, you know, obviously we never know. To me, that, you know, Oregon would, in that case, go into the selection committee's final meeting you know, with victories over uh, UCLA, uh, USC, uh, Oregon State, Utah, Washington, you know, that's four wins over top 25 teams. Uh, they would win, have won the conference that many consider to be the best league in the country. Uh, I just don't think they could get kept out ahead of a Big Ten division runner-up in that situation. The committee in prior years has placed an emphasis on top 25 wins, quality wins. Maybe Oregon gets credit for going into Utah. Maybe that was the biggest factor in putting Oregon at six, or maybe that its loss was a three-point road loss to Washington. But Texas fans are upset. They've got a win over Alabama. What would you say to the Texas fans? Well, I think I think just think the committee made it pretty clear they are very impressed with how Oregon is dominating teams, uh, quality teams, how balanced Oregon looks on on both sides of the line of scrimmage, you know. The, and also, one spot really doesn't matter. I mean, it, it doesn't matter at this point. You know, uh, I think that's that's the biggest thing is the committee's got they'll do whatever they want in the end, right? They they have their job is to decide how. They define how they're picking the teams. They could go with the best teams. They could go with the most deserving. Uh, I don't think Texas fans, you know, uh, have a whole lot of room to, to grumble uh, 
given the way Oregon has played. We are closing in on the you know November fourteenth uh, court date. It'll be a Tuesday in uh, in Colfax, and of course Washington State and Oregon State trying to figure out what they can get. Yesterday you got the ten schools in the Pac twelve uh, writing a letter or issue you know filing a uh, uh, a brief with the court. Um, how do you see this argument right now in your mind? What 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 is the latest on this, and what do you expect on the fourteenth? Yeah, I read through the whole the whole filing, and boy, it almost put me to sleep. I mean, they're re- they are relying heavily on uh, parsing the terms of the bylaws, you know. Whereas Oregon State and Washington State are relying heavily on action <laughs> and how the Pac-12 acted when the various schools said they were leaving and removing those schools from the from the board. The, the 10, their, their argument is just based on uh, a legal reading of the bylaws. I don't think it's, you know, uh, I think the action is, is far more convincing evidence than, than some kind of interpretation of, of the, the section in the bylaws about withdrawal. So uh, I, I think Oregon State and Washington State have got a, a really good case. They're playing. They have home court advantage, you know, pun intended. Uh, we'll see if they get a settlement beforehand. I can't imagine the 10 want uh, a judge in Colfax, Washington, deciding the fate of a lot of money. Uh, so they may settle. Who knows? Maybe somebody will try to file an, uh, a temporary restraining order in a different state to get this thing stopped before the judge rules. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. You know, what have we got? Two weeks, basically, at this point? Yeah. Less than two weeks. Less than two weeks. A week from Tuesday. Uh, you're down to about two days. Yeah, a lot's going to happen, so. I think. Yeah. Lots going to happen behind the scenes, I would imagine. Michigan, just a few minutes ago, fired Connor Stallions, the recruiting analyst that was at the, is, who was at the center of that, um, you know, scouting scandal, I guess, that is going on. Um, how does Michigan and that scandal factor in what the playoff might do in your mind? Well, it's interesting because the playoff, on Tuesday when they released the rankings, in the interviews afterwards with with the executive director of the CFP and the chair of the selection committee, they completely dismissed the whole Michigan thing. Oh, they said, oh, it's an NCAA issue, not a CFP issue. Well, I totally disagree with that. This is a a competitive advantage for Michigan that is impacting – how they are playing on a week-to-week basis, and what their success is. Obviously, if you know the other team's signs, you have a huge advantage. I don't think the CFP can be uh, so naive as to think this isn't going to be a, a very big issue for them down the stretch as they try to decide Michigan's fate, uh, assuming the Wolverines finish the season either with you know zero losses or one loss and they're in the playoff hunt. You know, it's it's a, been a competitive advantage for them. I don't, the CFP cannot stick their head in the ground uh, and hope it goes away. It's not going to go away. It's just going to get worse. The the scrutiny is just going to get worse. So it'll be real interesting to see how it plays out and whether the Big Ten takes action. Right? The Big Ten schools, every other thought, there's 13 schools that are pissed off, and uh, the commissioner is under huge pressure. But on the other hand, Fox is paying, you know. $350 million a year to broadcast Big Ten games, and that includes a championship. So Fox is going to want Michigan, if they're undefeated in the Big Ten championship game, it's going to be awfully hard for the commissioner to 
to go against Fox's wishes and ban the Wolverines from the title game if they, if they qualify. It's a fascinating situation. On November 11th, Fox will air both the Utah-Washington game and USC-Oregon. Kickoff times are TBD at this point. Six-day window being exercised by Fox. The early window is either 12.30 or 4 o'clock Pacific time, and the late window is 7.30. You broke it down today, but I want you to share with our listeners, like, what do you think will factor in the decision USC Oregon and that kickoff time is it going to be an early kick or a late kick? Well, I mean, my gut is that if USC beats Washington on Saturday, that USC Oregon will be the earlier uh, kick. Right? Those are two. You know, if you're if you're judging those three time slots based on value to Fox, obviously the the four o'clock is prime time East Coast. That's number one. Uh, Twelve thirty Pacific is is probably number two, and then 7.30 Pacific is number three. So to me, if USC wins and USC shows up in Eugene and they're like right 12th or 15th and Ducks are, you know, top five, that game is going to be on prime time. That game would be on a 4 o'clock. Worst case, it's on a 12.30. Uh, if USC loses to Washington, then it's a little bit more, uh, I think, of a tough decision for Fox. And they have to take into account the other games that they have which includes Big 12, right? There's two Big 12 games that are valuable that week, right? Texas and Oklahoma both are playing. Both are top 10. So how do they want to – where do they want to put that game, uh, whichever those two they have, where do they want to put that? And also, what is ESPN doing, right? Fox isn't going to want to put Texas up against ESPN if ESPN is Oklahoma. So it's it's not – they don't judge the Pac-12 situation in a vacuum. They have to judge it based on what their options are, and that includes what ESPN's doing with its Big 12 game. Wilner, uh, this That's season... Complicated. No, it's a convoluted com- answer, but it, it's, it's a complicated system. No, but it's as simple as, you know, Fox is going to put the better game earlier, right? Like you would think. So if USC wins... There's a lot of interest in USC Oregon on November 11th. They're not going to stick that game in the 7 p.m. to 7:30 p.m. window. No, no, they're not. That'll be one of the two day games. The interesting thing is, you know, that 7:30 Pacific window on the Fox Broadcast Network. They haven't done that very much. They did. They've done it with Stanford USC uh, the last two or three years. That early season conference game that has usually been on Fox Broadcast at 7:30, and they did it one other time for a USC. Fresno State game, but I've always thought that's a pretty valuable window for them. What what else is Fox putting on over the air? You know, Big Fox. What's going on? Uh, what do they have Saturday night that's going to be uh, a good college football game? They got nothing. They should be using that window more often. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to see too. Who do you think is going to win that that USC Washington game? I don't know. I think it's it's possible to be last possession wins. I pick Washington. I think it's a three point line or something. But you know, first team to forty five. Really, I think. Uh, I think Washington. Both teams. If you if you figure the offenses are about equal, I think Washington's defense is a little bit better than USC's. But that only means it's okay because USC's defense is bad, right? That's that's the thing. You got a bad defense against an okay defense. Yeah, and I think uh, I'm I'm curious to see what Michael Penix Jr. will look like. And I, I felt like leaving the Oregon game, he didn't look right against Arizona State. He didn't look right against Stanford. Do you see 
something wrong with Penix, or is this just kind of a we're in the part of the season where defenses have adjusted and maybe there was an emotional letdown after beating Oregon? Do you think it's a health thing, or do you think Penix is fine? I'd say it's all those things you mentioned. I think the Huskies, to me, they have looked a little bit bored. You know, they beat Oregon in that huge game, and then they play two teams that they're and they're favored by four touchdowns over both. So I think they looked a little bored. I think defenses are adjusting a little bit. And also, Penix looked, uh, you know, he looked hurt at the end of the Oregon game, right? He was grabbing his yeah. rib cage. He took yeah. some punishment. So I think that's possible. And also, he was sick. Uh, I was at the Washington-Stanford game, and in the post post-game uh, interview room, you could just tell by the sound of his voice that he was sick. And I think that the flu basically blasted through Washington's uh, locker room last week, and that certainly had an impact on how a lot of guys played. But I don't know. I'm assuming he's over the illness, but I don't know what the state of his you know, ribs are or in the oblique, whatever got hit, hurt against Oregon. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to see it against USC who is still in this thing. Um, look, there's seven teams with two losses or, or less. If it's not Oregon-Washington, give me two other teams you could see sneaking into Vegas and playing for the championship, if you eliminate those as possibilities. Oof, boy. Uh, okay, I would take Oregon State-UCLA. Uh, I think the Bruins are not... They're not great offense. They've changed identities from last year, right? Yes. They're not that good on offense, but they have a very good defense and a very good front seven. And they don't play uh, Oregon or Washington, right? So if if they can get get through Arizona this week, uh, you know, I think that UCLA's got a real shot to be in this thing with two losses, uh, and then Oregon State also, right? Uh, they got to get through. I think Colorado could be a little bit tougher game than than they think, but uh, I would pick those two. I just don't know about Utah because they got so many guys hurt and the quarterback situation is tough. Yeah, really rough. John Wilner, you're the best. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, get some rest. You got a big uh, Saturday ahead, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, my friend. All right, there he goes the co-host of Gonzano and Wilner, the podcast. Love talking with him. I know he's on fumes. It's that point of the season. Um, he picked UCLA and Oregon State. I would I would pick, if I'm going to pick, if you tell me Oregon and Washington, I can't have them, I, and I get two other choices of teams that could potentially make the Pac-12 championship game, I would pick USC and Oregon State because I think USC's got control of its destiny in that it's going to play Washington, it's going to play Oregon, win those two games, and USC's, you know, right there shoulder to shoulder with Oregon, uh, excuse me, with Washington, and it's in front of Oregon. What about and, uh, what about Arizona, John? They have two losses yeah. in the Pac-12. They play UCLA, which is going to be tough, but it's at home yeah. this week. Then it's at Colorado, at home against Utah, again, at home, and then at Arizona State. The schedule's not too tough yeah. for Arizona going down the stretch. Arizona and, and UCLA have the benefit of not playing Oregon and Washington down the stretch. And UCLA does not play Oregon and Washington at all in the season, and Arizona doesn't have anybody in front of them. So, yeah, Arizona and UCLA could – Yeah, I, Arizona was my pick early in the year to be a spoiler. I thought they could finish in the top six. They could be a surprise. And, and UCLA, though, UCLA's good, not great. They're just good, and they don't play Oregon and Washington. It's, it's a really weird dynamic – 
I kind of think it would be a shame if UCLA got to the title game because they had, they wouldn't have to play it anybody. You know, you got to beat USC in the rivalry game. That's it to get in there. Uh, Anna's coming up. Uh, we'll also play some punch and audio, the 5 at 5. And then Big Sky Conference Commissioner Tom Wistersill will be with us. He's on all sorts of NCAA committees. We're going to talk to him about the state of things in college athletics, plus what's going on in the Big Sky Conference. That's all ahead in the 5 o'clock hour. Leave it here.